What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The H Panel, the show where I bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk all the things mental health. I'm your host, Harry Poffin, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Diana Katsikaris. Diana is a fitness instructor, an educator, and the author of the book, Yes You Can, which is a book based on her personal experiences and her personal perspective around the world of OCD and anxiety. Diana was so fun to talk to, and I want to thank her again for coming on and having this discussion with me. Now, before we get started here, guys, please like, comment, share, subscribe, give five stars if you're on a podcast platform, share with someone who might need to hear this episode. It's a really great one, and I can't wait for you to listen. Now, before I let you guys go, the H panel has a new sponsor. They are called Your MD. And before we get into the episode today, I'm going to talk to one of the founders, Sean Canungo, uh, to talk a little more about the company. I'm very excited to show you guys this episode, and I hope you all enjoy. I'll talk to you very soon. Peace. So before we get into our conversation with Diana, I have Sean Canungo from Your MD on the line with me. Sean, what's going on, man? Harry, well, listen, I'm really excited, and I want to congratulate you, by the way. You know, the podcast ra- podcast rankings are out, and you are killing it. Thank you, man. Yes, thank you. Pumped. It's- Pumped to see that. It's, it's fantastic to see. And I'm really excited about this episode with Diana. What are you most excited about with this episode? Man, uh, I just really want to show the guests or the viewers, sorry, like Diana just has so much energy and so much positivity to her. You know, she's a fitness instructor. She's the author of the book. Yes, you can. She's just such an inspiration for younger girls looking up to, you know, leaders. She, she promotes mental well-being. Uh, you know, she posts, fitness instruction videos online for all these kids who are kind of sitting at home uh, locked in the house all antsy you know what I mean so she's just she's a really big ray of sunshine and I can't wait for people to listen to her well you know I'm excited as well and I I'm I'm excited to just get some like fitness tips from her because I don't know about you but my dad bod you know it's incrementally growing every single day I got two kids so it, it, it keeps on growing and uh, I'm excited to hear from her. And by the way, guys, I'm from a digital health startup here in Canada called YourMD.ca. We're connecting uh, Canadians to amazing physicians across the country. And uh, what we're doing is helping uh, people with, uh, for example, things like hair loss. So if you're dealing with hair loss issues or think you're losing your hair or thinking your, your hair is thinning, uh, we connect you with amazing physicians that can help you, whether it's uh, looking at looking for medication or whatnot, it doesn't matter. Uh, what does matter is uh, check out yourmd.ca and check out Diana. She's going to drop some amazing knowledge bombs. And Harry, let's get into the pot. Let's do it, man. Hope you all enjoy. I'm Harry Potvin, and this is the H Panel. Diana, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So before we get too into anything, I wanted to get to know you a little bit better. So what got you inspired to become the mindset motivator? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I am somebody who I've always loved group fitness. I've always loved sports. I've always loved kind of being a part of a community. And after going through my own dealings with mental illness and then deciding to become more open about kind of my struggles, that's kind of what turned me into wanting to be somebody that openly shared what I had been through, but also uses more of like fitness and then my background in education as an outlet too. Mm -hmm. And you said off camera, you're, you're a teacher as well? Yes. How do you have the energy? (laughs) Where do you find Um, it? So my students make fun of me because they see me at Dunkin' Donuts all the time. Um, A few of them work at Dunkin' and they have recently revealed to a few of my classes that they've seen me go through the drive-thru more than once a day. Um, So I am definitely fueled by a lot of coffee and I personally am just so lucky in that I love what I do and I love the students and I just think the energy amongst the students and then amongst my clients at the various fitness facilities that I work at are just so great and I think the energy you bring is more important than the energy you get out of situations so I think it's all mindset and sometimes even being tired and just faking it but then it turns into being more of just real if that 
that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. I I'm sure you can relate to this, but I was a um I'm a camp counselor usually when the pandemic's not happening. So even when I'm tired, you got to be on because you're like yeah. in charge of 25 little eight year olds. Um, totally. And I would be that guy who would like for for like opening ceremonies and stuff. I'd be in the middle, like screaming and dancing and people like, how do you have the energy? I'm like, when I go home, I'm I don't talk to people like all my oh, energy is there. Totally. 100%. I know it's so funny. I'm like, I'll be like getting ready and I like, I have a coffee currently and I'll be like literally chugging coffee and I'm like, all right, showtime. Like, all right, squad, what's up? Like all this stuff. And then I go home and I literally plopped on my couch, put my headphones in and half the time there's like nothing even playing. I just don't want anyone <laughs> in my family talking to me. <laughs> Amazing. I, um, but, yeah. <laughs> th- this, this one time last, was it last? No, it was two summers ago, man. My concept, like my time concept is just gone from this pandemic. Like, oh, for sure. I still think last year was 2019. Yeah. But so in 2019, there was uh, one weekend where all the counselors had a big party the Friday night Mm -hmm. and I got, you know, obliterated. And then the next morning I commuted to downtown Toronto um, Mm -hmm. to go to Carabana, which is like a big uh, festival down here Um, and did that all that day so it was just a big parade people dancing i was so sunburnt and then i i commuted back home so i live about 40 minutes out of toronto i commuted back home and when i got there i was supposed to go to veld which is like a big edm festival uh the next day um and i was supposed to leave at 7 a.m and i got home at 10 30 and i remember I was looking for my pass for the festival mm-hmm. and I was like, where is my pass? Cause I couldn't find it. And it was in the car that my brother had taken to London oh to party God. with. And London okay. from my house is about two and a half hours. So okay. I was like, yeah. can you, can you meet me halfway, man? Like, cause that's a long drive. And he's, he's like, he's like, I'm already drunk. So I can't. Yeah. Oh so my I, gosh. So I had to commute from, my house to London and back at 10 30 PM. I got home at like four 30 or five. And then I had to leave at seven and I went to Veld, um, all day. Just, it was too much. It was too much. But then I remember on Monday I had this huge rush of energy cause I was so tired and I went yeah. all out on opening ceremonies. I was screaming, I was dancing with the kids. And I remember about at lunchtime, just, just crashed. That was the oh, yeah. worst. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely it's a tricky, tricky situation. But yeah, energy always, I feel like it's, it's always there. You just got to dig deep for it, for sure. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about your personal experiences with like mm-hmm. um, OCD and anxiety, because I know you wrote a book about it. Um, yes. So what what inspired your book, Yes, You Can? Yes, yeah, so, so I had always wanted to write a book mainly because I was diagnosed with PANDAS when I was 11 years old. So PANDAS is pediatric autoimmune neurological disorder associated with strep. So basically I had strep so many times I ended up getting the swine flu and then strep and it triggered all these symptoms that align with a handful of mental illnesses. So with PANDAS, the six symptoms are anxious tics, anxiety, OCD, anorexia, depression, and panic attacks. And I went from someone that had always been a shy and anxious kid to someone that could not function in the real world because I had all six of those symptoms almost like overnight. So I went through the process of seeing different therapists and I had all these book recommendations. And while they were all coming from the right place, it was all like more like textbooks or big like how to overcome OCD 101 written by like a medical professional. I don't actually know if that's the title of a book. I just can't remember. I just know I had a handful of books that were given to me and I was just kind of like, I don't like I'm 11 years old. I can't comprehend any of this going to even further into middle school and high school. I still was like, I like, it's weird that there's nothing out there about like specifically like pandas and OCD and like personal stories. So then during the lockdown in 
March, right when it happened, I was like, okay, I think this is my time because school was closed and the studios were closed. So I was like, okay, I need something to come out of this. And then April rolls around and I was like, okay, I still haven't like really made any moves. I'd been writing, but then stopped writing, then stopped. And then um, I like, this is such a me thing that everyone's always like, this is always how these things happen where I, I just get myself into these things where I found the person that designed the cover of my book. I searched her on Instagram, found her, did a ton of research. She was the one that I was like, okay, I'm so into her graphic designs. She's local New England based from Maine and basically messaged her on Instagram that night. I was like, so I have a book written. I want to publish it. Um, here's like what I want. And can you design the cover for me? She was like, yeah, sure. Like how many pages are it? And I was like, oh, I'll get back to you really soon. Um, she's like, okay, I need to know in like a few days. So just give me a few days. And so then I was like, oh my God, I haven't written a book. I lied to her. So I basically, I didn't like lie, but I knew that if I like told somebody and like, like committed to it and like, then she was like telling me the pricing and I was like, you know what? Sure. So I literally just Venmo her the price. And then I was like, okay, I just paid for a book cover and I don't even have a book. And I told her that I did. So I like sat down and for like 48 hours wrote the book and then I told her how many pages it was and then it was just a ton of editing. So it was basically like I wanted something to come out of the pandemic. I wanted there to be something helpful and I also wanted there to be a resource that people could look at and realize like, okay, she might have a degree in psychology, but I'm not a like medical professional and it's really my own story. It's not like research and case studies that I've conducted myself. It's just like my raw truth. So that is how the book came out. 48 hours straight? Yes. I just really cranked. cranked how do you it sit out. down and do that? I really cranked it out, sat down, drank a ton of coffee and just like powered through. Also, also I didn't realize that the amount of pages mattered for a title. Yes, for her to get the specs for like the binding of the book, she needed to know how many pages to know how much like width and the spacing. I didn't realize either until she was asking for all this info and I was like, oh, yeah, as you're messaging me, I'm Googling everything you're saying, so I have no idea what you're talking about, but learning along the way. Um, but no, I definitely think part of like with my, especially my OCD is when I get very like focused on something good or bad and I've made myself more aware of when it's bad to shift it more good that's like the only thing I will focus on and obsess with so that's kind of how I was able to like sit down and just write because that's the only thing my brain was thinking about mm. so and when you're in these moments where your OCD you can tell that it's gonna become focused on a negative thing how do you snap out of it I think one of my biggest things that I found is like taking a step back and that sounds so easy and simple but I think one of the things I realized is I'm always someone that wants kind of like the instant gratification that like jumps in and almost tries to like problem solve right away and am like finding that as I've like gotten older um usually in the past I would try to like distract myself right away find something else to do and then it would just either come back later or I would be distracted doing something else and I would be absolutely miserable so I think almost like taking a step back and saying like you know I recognize like these thoughts are there it's not a part of me but just something that's going on everybody has thoughts taking a second to just like almost like just let everything be then recognize like stillness and space and then not ignoring what's going on in your brain, but just saying like, you know what, I recognize it's there. I'm not ignoring it, but I'm not acting upon it or validating it and then just keep moving from there. So it's almost like taking a breath and then regrouping and then proceeding from there. Mm -hmm. It's funny because um, when you tell people who are struggling, they're like, how do I get out of this funk? And you say, take a step back. They go, oh. Like they just rolled their eyes. They're like, it's not that easy. It's like, well, it's, it's not easy, but taking a step back is actually a lot harder than you think it is. 100%. 100%. I know I had an interesting conversation with 
um, someone the other day who they're like, I feel like it's always two steps forward, one step back. And I'm like, look, but the important part is not the two steps forward. Like, that's great. You're making progress, but it's the step back. That's like, all right, you have another opportunity to go back and work on something to then get even further. If we didn't have the steps back and we just kept going further, then we would just be wandering through life and not like really growing from anything. The step back is important because you're then able to like work on yourself a little bit more, even though in the moment it absolutely stinks and it is so difficult. And it probably took me like a decade to actually realize it. So mm-hmm. that's a great point. And yeah. <laughs> this, this might be a terrible comparison, but it's, it's almost like when you're in a relationship and you guys don't argue and you just think it's perfect. And then eventually it just crashes and you're like, I thought we were perfect. 100%. No, that's a really good analogy. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If honestly, if things seem too perfect, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah. That, that's. I'm always, yeah. No, you go, you go. Oh, I'm always like, it, like embrace the crazy, embrace like the chaos, because if it's chaotic, it means like there's something good coming. If it's like, kind of like, okay, this seems like really perfect, then that's like what's what's going on yeah I, I don't really trust people who like not that are perfect but that have never had to take a step back it's like yeah. it's it's just weird to me I'm like you've never had anything go wrong anything yeah totally totally and they're not very funny those people they don't have personalities <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm always like, you'd rather be crazy than boring. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. Would, would love to change the connotation of the word crazy. Cause I feel like it's always like seemingly like, Oh, that's a bad thing. I'm like, no, it's actually not. <laughs> yeah. There's like a negative blanket around that word. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you released your book, what was the, what was the reception like? Like, are there a lot of, cause I've never heard of pandas before. Are there a lot of people out there experiencing this? So what's really interesting is when I first released the book, I didn't know anybody other than one person that was experiencing and had experienced pandas to the same like level that I did. And then right after I like did like a little post on my Instagram about like what pandas is, I got a ton of responses saying like, oh, like I know about this. I just didn't realize that's what this was called or messages like, oh, I have this, like, thank you for sharing because it's a disorder that like it's tricky because for a while, especially when I was like first experiencing symptoms in the medical field, it just wasn't something that was talked about or diagnosed because people didn't believe that it was possible. But now there's a lot more research on it and there is more of a like recognition of this like more chronic illness, but there's still, it's almost like it's the way it's viewed is like the same idea where like there's some people that believe that like vaccines can give children autism it's like the same thing like strep and of severe like flu like illness can give people like all these disorders like it's the same like viewed it's very it's a very skewed there's very extremes to it there's no like real middle ground that's been found yet yeah. Yet being the keyword. That's right. Yeah, keyword there. I also love what you said about how like you're you're not like a medical professional, but you still wrote the book because it's it's one thing to be a professional. We need those people, of course, but it's also another thing to have gone through it and like to share yeah. your story because it's almost I don't I I don't want to bash on medical people because that's not what I'm doing, but it's almost more relatable to a lot of people. Cause like, 100%. yeah, like when, when I was, when I was trying to figure out my depression, I, the only thing I had, cause people never opened up. The only thing I had was like books and doctors and therapists. Oh, really? And it's like, that's great. And I'm glad it's a real thing, but I don't know anyone else that's opened up about this. So it's important totally. to know that. 100% for sure. And especially being a PE and health teacher at the high school level. I know I've heard from a lot of different students and even just younger 
clients through the fitness studio is it's just so important to know that people like to know people that experience the same thing. So, you know, you're not alone because as much as I love my therapists and psychiatrists, they have not experienced OCD, depression, pandas, eating disorders. They just have studied it and are experts on the subjects, but they don't have personal experience other than like patient stories. So that's why I think it's, it's both sides are so important for sure. For sure. Yeah. I remember when I was starting this channel up, my, my family was worried about me doing it because they were like, you're not a professional though. And it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not giving advice. I'm just saying this is what worked for me. And I go through this too. Yes. Yeah. We need more people like that. Totally. I know I'm all about the I statements. <laughs> I've been there. I do this. And then it's like, I'm like, it's not advice. I'm just talking about myself and sharing like what has gone on and what's helped for me. Totally. Totally. I know there's definitely been like viewpoints at times where I've heard from like, uh, not family, but more friends, like, you shouldn't do that. Like, what if, like, talking about this, like, prevents you getting a job in the future? Like, what if people think, like, you're weird? And I'm kind of like, well, they can think I'm weird. But if it helps a few people, then I think that's good. <laughs> Man, I've gotten I've gotten the same comments. And I'm like, I wouldn't even want to be employed there anyway. If that's holding right. them back from from hiring me, that's stupid. Yeah. I'm also like, that's also a sign that like uncomfortable conversations need to happen because if we're like so afraid to talk about it, it means like it needs to be included in, in our, our, in our space and, and, and what we're talking about. And also like educating students on, I'm like, I'm not that old and I love the school system that I work in. I love the school system that I attended, but it just wasn't even a part of like any of the curriculum talking about mental health and involving it with younger generations. And I think that's also so important too. How old are you? I'm 23. By the time this comes out, I'll be 23 too. I love it. I love it. That's all. Awesome. So exactly. I, I completely feel you. Cause like even the, the first time I heard the word depression was when I got diagnosed in first year university. I was like, yeah. what is that? Yeah. It's important because I was just, I was labeled a hothead forever. Like they just mm -hmm. kind of brushed me off. They're like, this guy's nuts. And I was like, what's wrong with me? But it's like, I know. there's something that is like not curable, but you can figure out how to live with it. If you just get yeah. the proper help. 100%. It can be managed totally. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's important to teach kids that because especially like I'm starting to see a shift now. I'm sure you you feel the same way. It's it's really nice to see the shift going on. Um, like more people are talking about it. More schools have people coming in to talk about it. Like I never had that. And it's just, it's nice for kids to look and be like, okay, so I'm not the only person. Totally, for sure. And also nice to have like kids and other people realize that like, even though it is challenging each day brings its own like level of difficulty like we can still live like fulfilling lives too, even though some days are more challenging than others, but never a dull moment is, is always, is always a good thing too. Yeah. I always have, it's like my brain is a sitcom show every day. That's how I feel most days. Like there's always something going on up there. Totally. 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 I, um, Oh, what was my point first? I was going to say something. Mm. Oh yeah. Like it, it's just crazy looking back. Cause like, I remember people who would open up cause I knew a couple kids in high school who like had it pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Like some people had like schizophrenia, PTSD, like, um, and I remember they would have like moments of like, mm -hmm. like outbursts or just really low points. And, and look, the kids would just look and be like, What's wrong with this guy? And just yeah. be like, oh, he's weird. Don't talk to him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know. I think there was definitely times when I was younger that I opened up more about like what I was experiencing. And it was definitely taken with like a level of discomfort and a little bit of negativity from 
my peers as well. And I think that like one of my biggest message to people is if someone is reacting to your story in a either negative or uncomfortable way, it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with something they're experiencing and something that is going on with their own story that they're either not ready to share, don't want to talk about it, or are even like a level of jealous that you're at the point where you can talk about it where they might not be yet. So I'm such a believer in like behaviors communication and always like for like advocate share. And if you don't get the response that you want in the end, as though, although it's taken me years and it's so much easier said than done, their response has nothing to do with like your output. So it's definitely, it's definitely like a, a weird balance between how much you want to put yourself out there versus like what you'll get in response to it for sure. Yeah, that actually is a great segue because I wanted to talk about a couple blog posts that you've made. And the first one um, is your one that's titled Why You, Why you Gotta Be So Rude. Yeah. Shout out to Magic. Um, so there's no denying, obviously, that a lot of people out there are nasty towards people who open up and people who um, are struggling mentally, like we just talked about. Um, and in turn, that kind of causes people to like not want to open up and kind of makes them beat themselves up in their own head um, and makes them feel different, makes them feel isolated. So how, how are you able to kind of shut these comments down? You've kind of mentioned it already, but like, let's say, let's say as a kid, how were you able to receive that criticism and kind of shrug it off? As a kid, I couldn't. I would hear one little comment and I would crumble to pieces and I wouldn't go to school for days. I wouldn't show up to anything. I would not answer any text messages. I would just completely close myself off and just would have this feeling of like, I'm so worthless. Like me being open is actually causing me more harm. So as a kid, I could not handle it at all. Um, after learning more like about myself and also like recognizing and realizing, I think sometimes like really challenging experiences help us realize like what we want and what we don't want. And I think that from having people either be rude or say like not super kind things or also like use my like, OCD anxiety against me, almost like gaslighting where they're like, well, I think that's actually this happening. And mean, like in a meaningfully nice way, like I totally respect that when people are like, uh, Diana, that's like, you're on an OCD tangent right now. Like you need to take a step back. I totally respect that. But if I'm like feeling super uncomfortable about like something someone's doing to me, and then they're like, well, it's actually your OCD thinking that like, I didn't do any of that. And it's almost like they're trying to like twist, like almost like brain trick me. I'm kind of like, that's not cool. Like what? Um, so I think now kind of my biggest thing is like, okay, what energy will it give me to respond to this? Like if I get like a mean comment or a negative rating on my book or somebody says something like unkind, I'm kind of like, do I want to take and maybe even waste energy responding to it? Or do I want to think, you know what, I'm happy with what I put out there. What I put out there is meaningful to me. It's not worth my time or energy to respond to this. Um, I've seen it happen multiple times, unfortunately, on like social media, like platforms where people get something that's a negative review or just something negative and their outlet is like to post like a long Instagram story about it. And it's just kind of like, where does that leave you in the end? Like what energy does it take? Like I'm someone that I'm not big into confrontation because I'm kind of like, all right, if someone's doing something mean to me, do I really want to send them a message to have a phone call to talk about our feelings and how not there's anything wrong with talking about your feelings but or like just talk about like why they did something that hurt my feelings I'm kind of like okay if the energy that I'm gonna put into it is not going to make me feel better then why bother if I was the one that pressed submit 
on a blog post and liked it when I posted it. That being said, I'm always open to hear different perspectives because I think that's super important. Um, I constantly have students as well as clients give me like feedback and critiques because I think that's the only way that like we grow. But I think if there's someone that is being nasty towards you because you're being open about sharing about a mental illness or a personal story, then sometimes the best thing to do is just not do anything because where is it going to get you? Yeah. Yeah. That's why you need like a group of friends, like close people, even family that you just trust to give like, cause every, you always need constructive criticism. Like I, I always encourage that. If I've got a bunch of yes men in my group, I want them out. Like I, like when people are like, that's so awesome. It's like, no, no, no. Tell me what I can fix though. I don't need, I don't need you to praise me. Like I'm some God. I want to know what I can do better. But like with social media, the problem now is like, you know, you've got all of these people behind a screen where yeah. there's no repercussions. So they just yeah. unleash their nasty. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of the comments I've gotten on like YouTube, I just got to laugh. Like there's nothing else to do. I'm like, Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, I'm like, no, you go. Sometimes like people are trolling. I'm like, you really type that out, press send after it went through your head. I was like, just, I was just going to say that the, the part that kills me is like, they'll send a huge paragraph in all caps. And I'm like, listen, the, the funny part about this. And when I was grown, like, like a couple of years ago, it would have bothered me to the point where I wouldn't want to do anything. But yeah. now I look at, I'm like, this person really sat down, took time out of their day to type this paragraph in all caps and send it. Like, it's just, it's so funny. It's like, oh, for sure. Well, and then I'm also think like, where, like, where are you now? Like, what did you accomplish in that time? And then there's also like a part of me too. That's like, like, oh my God, we made it. We have haters. Yes. Yes. I don't know. When I, when I get a dislike, I'm like, yes, I made it. Right. Yeah, totally. No, it's definitely, I would say anyone out there that is wanting to create content or wanting to share their story and is fearful to do it and to also take what people comment with a grain of salt and just realize that sometimes it's not even worth responding to to the comment yeah like well here's the thing right is like one person can hate what you're doing and take energy out of their day hating you for it there's eight billion people and i know exactly not everyone's got a phone or social media of course but there's okay let's say like five billion people on the internet there's gonna be someone that appreciates it totally totally yeah and one of my biggest things so i think that i found like ending 2020 going into 2021 is like the idea of like if someone makes you feel badly it's not that you're worth less it means that you're worth more of what they're giving to you or not giving to you so it's almost like flipping the switch of like no i'm not worth less than this like i'm worth more than what's going on Mm, yeah that's a good way to look at it could you imagine like because i know we grew up at the birth of social media but could you imagine being like in elementary school or like grade nine and ten with like the social media that's out now No, I constantly tell my kids, I'm like, you are all so resilient because I was a mess in high school, not even a hot mess, but a mess in high school. And there wasn't a pandemic happening. And like Snapchat was just becoming a thing. Instagram was just becoming a thing. And I'm like, I don't know how you all do it. I'm very impressed because I don't like if I was born 10 years earlier, I would be screwed. I Like... (laughs) Like I was self-conscious before all these models and like successful people posted pictures. I would, yeah. I would, I'd be, I'd be screwed too. Yeah. I'd be, I would be a hot mess. Yeah, I know. I think my first Instagram post, I was like 13. It was like a picture of the beach. I was like, great beach day. Like, and it just felt like a way to like share photos. And then I remember like not even realizing other people could see it. I thought it was just a place to like store photos. Like I literally thought Instagram was a place to just take pictures and store them on a grid. And then I had a friend say like, oh my gosh, I saw that beach photo you post. And I was like, where? They're like on, on Instagram. And I was like, wait, what? What do you mean you saw it on Instagram? I just was putting my photos in like a nice grid from my trip. 
And they were like, no, you published that. Like people can publicly see it. And I was like, oh, I thought it was just like an app to store your photo. I know. No, my my first picture was me in a cowboy hat. And I posted a mirror selfie and I said, yeehaw. That was my first picture. I was like, what? oh, I love it. Love it. <laughs> it was brutal. Uh, and then now you've got like TikTok. Oh, yeah. First of all, I'm low-key addicted and I I'm addicted. I don't like last night. That. Last night I no joke was sitting on the couch scrolling and then I jumped up and I was like, I need to get to bed. What am I doing? I was literally looking at back cracking videos for an hour. I don't blame you. They're so good. They're so good. You fall down a rabbit hole and it's so easy. Yeah. You you don't even realize it. That's why like Oh, these kids now, like, I, f I f hate saying that because I sound so old. I'm only 23. Like, uh, I haven't even experienced anything. But these kids now, like, they're going to fall down all these rabbit holes and not even know what real life is. I know. I know. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely tricky. I know I, I teach a portion of my health class on, like, social media and what it is in terms of like validation and that way it's not validation and also like being mindful of how much time you're spending on there but then I also like I need to check myself too because I teach all this stuff and then here I am at 11 30 scrolling through TikTok when I have to get up at 4 30 and I just told my kids how important it is to not do this <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah no I know I'm I'm the same way and especially with the pandemic now like I I didn't realize screen time on your iPhone was a thing. And then so like three months into the pandemic, I was like, why do I feel like hot garbage? And then I looked at it and it was like, yeah, you're spending an hour and a half on TikTok, an hour and a half on Instagram, an hour and a half on Twitter. I'm like, oh my God, my day's gone. I know. I know every Sunday at 8.15, my watch, I'm in the middle of teaching a fitness class, my watch goes off and it shares like my screen time for the week. And I always am either like, yes, in the middle of teaching, like it was down a percentage this week. Or I'm like, oh no. And everyone's always like, what's that? Like you're in the middle of teaching class. Why are you saying yes or no? I'm like, oh, don't worry. Just monitoring my screen time. Oh, <laughs> it's so bad. Um, yeah. So anyone listening, like, yo, watch your screen time. Seriously. It's a wake up call. It is. It and it is. helps. It helps when you're off your phone. It it feels like f free. It feels like freedom almost, which is kind of brutal because everyone's got their phone all the time. You're kind of trapped in it. For sure. No, I think the biggest like balance between just like traditional mental health right now is recognizing and setting like alarms and small bits of time where you're on social media or like even just monitoring in a very loose way, like when you're online, how much time you're spending online and even like trying to build another habit into that. Like I used to just fall asleep, like just scrolling or just answering emails, lying in bed with the lights out. Um, and then now I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to put my phone away, do a little bit of reading. And it just makes me feel so much better that I think like basic mental health wise, if, like people can put their phone away for maybe 20 minutes less than what they do now. It just makes the world of difference. And you find you're so much more productive too. I love social media, love it. But I also like we keep our distance at times too. Yeah, it, it's important to moderate it. You can go totally. too deep in. Totally, totally. Uh, uh, so another blog post I wanted to talk about was your, um, your one titled Enough. Yes. Um, about like, you know, uh, struggling with this idea that you're not good enough. Um, so how do you personally combat like those feelings or even like imposter syndrome? Because I know I struggled, I struggle with this myself, kind of with the, this show and my Instagram, not really, but more so like when I was in swimming and my ex, she's never going to watch this, but like she could attest to this. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I would have a, cause she was on the swim team too. I would have a bad race and my immediate excuse was just, oh, I wasn't built to be a swimmer. I wasn't born to be a swimmer. I don't belong here. And like, I had convinced myself of that over the years. So like I kept combating that imposter syndrome always. So how do you personally, when you get these feelings, how do you kind of deal with them? 
personally, I found that what works best for me is I write about them and usually like almost like either publish on a blog or like make a TikTok or do something that I just find that like, I think that writing things down and then sometimes even like releasing them, even if it doesn't get published, even if you write it down, then rip it up or write it down and just tuck it away. It can be so much more beneficial in terms of like gaining clarity. Any blog post that I've written, it's not only based off of like what I'm either experienced, but it's also like what I'm feeling like in the moment. Like I have another blog post that I'm going to be publishing later today that's like talking about like how sucking less is greater than like sucking more like situations right now especially with like the pandemic like stink but how are we able to take them and make them stink less rather than feed into it make them stink more and I think like the blog posts about like enough or even like my blog posts about like how like with in the past with like eating disorders like I found myself like really shying away from things and now like what I do every single day is I get one pump of caramel swirl and the first time I did that it was so hard for me the first two weeks I did that it was so hard for me and then now it's just regular in my order and I don't even think about it but I think that one of my biggest things when I go into like that like pit is I like to write about it and either publish on a blog post or save it for another day and just kind of get the thoughts out of my head because I think writing about it typing about it, if you don't like to write is also just something that can help gain clarity and also just help you almost like feel like the relief of like okay I'm not talking about this with somebody but I'm still talk almost like talking it through with myself in a sense um I know I find myself at times like I love like talking to people about different things, but there's definitely times where if I'm going through something and I'm in more of like a heightened, like either OCD or anxious or more like depressed state, I don't like talking to anybody because I sometimes don't like the feedback in a sense that I get back. Like sometimes I'm like, okay, I don't want you to tell me like push through or like, that like the things where it's like it will be okay like those types of things like yes it it chances are it will be okay but there's never 100 certainty so don't tell me it will be okay because there's still a little bit of certainty it won't be okay um or like there's bigger things don't worry about like don't worry people have it so much worse than you like sometimes i just don't like hearing that even though i know that it is true in a sense um i think i like to write about it and i like to just kind of work through it myself. Sometimes I publish it, sometimes I don't just because I think it's just a way to clear and like kind of cleanse out whatever's going on in your mind. On, on that note of people saying people have it so much worse than you, screw that. Man, That I hate that point so much. And that was told to me for years. They're like, because mm-hmm. I, and I mentioned this all the time. Like I've, I grew up, lucky like I my situation is good um I have a great family great friends you know health all the education like I'm fortunate but I still had struggles mentally like it just like I don't know what it like chemical imbalance and I would be talking to people like listen I'm having such a hard time they're like how are you having a hard time your life is so great it's like you can't buy you can't pay for that chemical imbalance yeah totally Totally. No, I think I like to view it as every person is more of like an independent event. So there, you just can't, you can't compare situations. You can't compare people to people. It's impossible. Yeah. And it's unfair to the people struggling, right? Like it's unfair for you to think I shouldn't open up. So I'm not going to say anything because people have it worse. 100%. So you're just going to let it boil inside of you? Totally. I know. I, before I found like my person in terms of my therapist, um, I was told for years, like you are worried about germs. You're worried about cleanliness. You're worried about a pandemic happening. A pandemic is never going to happen. There are bigger things to worry about. People die of cancer every day. Why are you worried about like going outside? And I was kind of like, well, that's not helping me get over my fear of 
leaving my house. Um, and meanwhile, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> it happened. Mm. So I, yeah. So I'm kind of like, I totally get that there are worse situations, but I also don't think it's fair to compare because everybody's situation can be the worst or the best. It just is really like everybody's different. Everybody has their own opinion. Everybody's made up differently. So it's, it's not fair or even logical to con compare people's timelines and rate their struggles because it's, it's, I go so like statistics and psychology on it, but it's like, it just doesn't make any logical sense. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, yeah, I, I'm, I've, I have so many therapy horror stories, but the one, the one that I had was because I went to maybe six or seven different ones before I found the right person. And this okay. one, this one lady, I was talking to her and she was, she was like, tell me what's wrong. This is a side note, but having to repeat what I was saying to each therapist, oh, that was the sure. worst. It's like, don't you have that in your file? Like you should know by the sixth oh, person. Yeah. Anyway, that's not relevant, but no, for sure. I totally feel that. I was like, oh, here again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, can we just, I want to get deeper than this, Yeah. you know, but, um, so this one, this one instance I was telling her, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing suicidal thoughts. I'm, I'm really upset with what's going on in my life. She goes, why? I was like, what do you mean? Why? She's like, you've got it all. Like, just snap out of it. I'm like, you're a therapist. <laughs> Yeah. Oh Lord. You shouldn't talk like that. Nap out of it. A therapist. Like, yeah. That's great. Thanks, man. I right. feel better. Right. So much better. I really appreciate the time and copay for a snap out of it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's it was sick. I was I was really happy. I remember going back to my friends. They're like, "How was?" It? I was like, "Oh, great. Yeah. I'm way. I'm cured." <laughs> I've, I've snapped out of it wow it's like a magic oh, trick oh my gosh yeah yeah on that on that same note like um another part of that uh enough blog is you talking about like finding validation and yeah. i know a lot of people myself included whenever i say i know a lot of people i'm talking about myself uh, same <laughs> yeah it's like i know a lot of people most of them me uh, all of them are like the little me's in my head like they're all on I my shoulder listening they're, all, they're, they're like all yeah here. <laughs> um so they they try to find validation through like like success or yeah. social media or relationships or money and yeah. how do we how do we cut that out and find validation within ourselves because i feel like if you're looking for validation outside, it's just going to be a never-ending cycle like no matter what you totally. do, the little achievements, you're never going to be happy. 100% for sure. No, I think that it's definitely a vicious cycle. I think it's so hard to not fall into the trap, especially on social media of like engagement on like posts or like for my case, like book sales or even just like if people like if I teach a full week of classes and no one like tags me in their Instagram story, it's like some people get offended by that. And I'm just kind of like, you know what? I used to be in that trapped mindset of like needing like almost like that reassurance it's just like with OCD like you almost want to stop the reassurance like I used to absolutely hate my mother obviously and of course not for any reason other than the fact that she would say when I was having any sort of like OCD like outbursts or experience she would be like I am not going to feed into telling you certain things about either like what you did do what you didn't do or even give you reassurance about like if what you ate in a day is okay because that's literally not feeding into you it's literally feeding what the OCD wants so then it goes right back into the same exact cycle so she was like I'm not going to repeat that cyclical pattern and me being 17 was like, I hate you. Um, which obviously, of course, my mom and I are actually like best friends. Um, and I always like tell people even in any teenage years, like if you're going through something and you really hate your parents, that means your parents are doing a really good job because it means that they are caring and pushing against whatever you're going through. Um, that being said, though, I think what I've 
like come to realize is I used to be someone that I was such a like, like almost people pleaser in a sense where I never wanted to disappoint anybody. I always wanted to make sure that like I was on like top of my game, spread myself out so super thin and was just constantly getting like beat down because I felt like I was trying to do all these things to like get validation and also feel like I was like successful and doing the things in terms of like making money, feeling like I was on the right track. But I think like what changes realizing that in a sense as unique individuals, we are all irreplaceable. Like there's always going to be like someone in your life that you, you can't be replaced, but in a sense, in terms of like jobs and friendships and social media, there's always going to be someone or something that could replace you. And it's almost like getting over like the fear of like, well, if I step back from working so much, there's going to be someone that replaces me. But if that makes me happier, then so be it. Like, it's so hard to like take a step back and say like, well, like, yeah, I can be replaced. Like that is kind of a scary thought, but it's also like, so what if I get replaced, if I'm happy, if I'm not worried about like checking social media for like likes or comments or engagement, if I'm not constantly worried about always doing my best, like at a job, but solely show up because it makes me happy, then that's where you really find and seek like that self-validation rather than needing like praise and approval from others. And it's like, it's such a hard mindset and it's definitely taken me a very long time to get there. And some days are definitely a lot more challenging than others. Um, but just also realizing that like, while you are so irreplaceable and unique, there's also a level of do what makes you happy and disappoint yourself last. Because in the end, if we're just constantly trying to like satisfy and get validated by others, like what about like ourselves and like what we want in a sense? So, yeah. Yeah. And, and then when, you, when you're trying to get it from other places, you forget why you started. Exactly. 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 I know, I know there's a point in time where, like, I used to check when my book first came out. I would check the book sales in the first few months, like, was doing really well. And then there was a little dip down. And then I went to the phase of, like, all right, so here I am. I wrote this book sharing my story. I know other people who um, have written books and shared their stories and they've been more successful than I am. Um, and then I think like, no, you know what? I'm not gonna give myself like reassurance, but looking at the facts, like I chose to self-publish. I wrote about something that a lot of people are anxious to talk about. And the fact is I'm successful in that I did it. I wrote it, I published it, and then the book sales and where it goes doesn't necessarily matter. If it helps one person, that's what matters. And it also helped myself to release it and put it out there. So now I never even check the book sales, um, <laughs> which I might want to, but I just, I used to have a tab and I go on and refresh all the time. And then I was like, this is literally making me miss books. There'd be like two days where I wouldn't get a sale. And then I'd be like, God, I suck. And then I would be like, you know what? No, like I, I published a book and that is the success right there. Yeah. And everything else is it. bonus. Everything else is. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think it definitely like takes a little bit to get to more of like that aha moment of like, okay, I get it. Success is so much different than sales, money, and fame on social media. But in the end, it's like, if you want to like be someone that makes an impact, but also just be happy with yourself, there is not gonna be any instant gratification there's not going to be any sort of like right away, like fame and fortune. It's just so much more than that. And in like 10 years, the current like TikTok or Instagram stars, like that's all they're going to be known for. So it, and then that's all they're going to think of themselves as. So if you want to 
not fall into like that trap of validation. You almost need to recognize and like honor what you do for yourself, but almost like not even like think about in a sense what other people are or are not saying or doing. Yeah. Wouldn't you rather have like long-term success anyway? 100%. 100%. For sure. Because I often, sometimes I'm like, oh, why don't I have more views? And it's like, how boring would it be if right away you got them all? Right. It's, I think it takes, I always say this in my treadmill classes where it's like, it is so much more about the process than the outcome. If you go through the process and you get beaten down, you're constantly needing to climb up mountains, but you keep pushing through and then you get there that's everything. And the outcome doesn't even matter because you've had all this experience. If you instantly get it, you're like, all right, what's the next thing? But it's also like by pushing through and feeling like failure at times, feeling all the emotions that come with it, it makes like that end so much more like worth it. And I also truly believe that like, if you can see something happening in your head, you're going to get there you just need to put in the work and believe in yourself and recognize that even if people aren't telling you every single day, you've got this, as long as you tell yourself, you've got this, you will get there. If you can see it happening, it's going to happen. It just takes hard work and you shouldn't give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember I used to, in swimming, I would have these unrealistic goals for like times mm -hmm. and placing mm -hmm. and things. And I would only focus on those. So I would ignore the fact that like season bests were happening or, you know, I'd be holding a good time or pace in practice. I was in great shape. I, I ignored all of that. If I didn't get that unrealistic goal, which I never did. Um, yeah. And then, so it kind of left a bittersweet taste in my mouth when I retired. Mm -hmm. And then now looking back, it's like, man, like that process was so fun. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to not have tunnel vision. For sure. For sure. I, I honestly need to remind myself to not have tunnel vision multiple times a day for being so honest. Yeah, no, I got caught with it. Multiple times a day. I got caught with it like a month ago. Yeah. Or not a month, but like December 31st, I hit a thousand followers on my IG. Mm -hmm. Woo! And um, and I remember that had been a goal of mine when I started to get it in under a year or something. But mm -hmm. by the time that time had happened, my goal got bigger. And so when people were like, people called me and they're like, "Hey man, congrats! Like a thousand. That's a lot of people." And I was like, eh, "It doesn't matter. Like that's not my goal." And they're like, "You don't even want to celebrate?" I'm like, eh, "I'll make a post." But then it's like yeah. you catch yourself. You're like, "Oh wait, like." I'm never going to be happy with that kind of mentality. Totally. Totally. Yeah, for sure. I know I totally believe in like positively manifesting things, but also not only consistently positively manifesting things, but not falling into any traps and appreciating like small milestones because in the end, the finish line is the finish line. Why would you want it to end? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I run a marathon, I always like start and I'm like, oh, I can't wait till I get to the finish line. And then like at mile 25, I'm like, oh my God, it's coming up. I need to like, I can't, I can't, then it's going to be over. So. Mm -hmm. So you start running backwards? Totally. Yeah. Back. <laughs> um, I wanted to end this episode on the third and final blog post that I wanted to talk about mm -hmm. because by the time this comes out, it won't be halfway through the year. There'll be like two months left until halfway. But um, you have a blog post talking about why New Year's resolutions are a setup to fail model. And by halfway point, a lot of us are going to fail our New Year's resolutions. <laughs> so how can we make it so that our resolutions don't follow this pattern and actually help us motivate, uh, help us motivate ourselves to become the best we can be? Totally. So this is something that, I like I see it happen at the 
gym. I see it happen with students. I see it happen with myself. I see it happen with friends. And I think that while the premise of a New Year's resolution is great, it's just not attainable because you're setting one goal and expecting it to happen by the end of the year. And it's not, you're not able to measure it and there's no true like benchmarks. So something that I do, especially in the education field, is like you set one annual goal and then you set like small achievable goals throughout the year but you constantly are checking in on those goals and if like say your goal is to go to the gym every single day for the whole year first of all you need a new goal because you shouldn't be going to the gym every single day for the whole year um like that's not good for your body um so then you kind of reflect you're like okay let me make a goal that's a little bit more attainable maybe it's like all right i'm gonna go to the gym five times a week um still a big goal but measurable and you can attain for a year from there you think about like small little benchmark goals like your quarter goals like where you want to be in march where you want to be june i'm not good in math um so every three months basically 12 divided by four i do know that's three so those quarter three month goals from january um yes so from there you want to think about like little benchmarks and things that you should be making progress towards so if you're finding that by like month two you're really only going to the gym four times a week, you then adjust your goal. Goals are like this thing where I feel like it's like a be all end all, but like in education goals slide around all the time and you start off. And if you find like, you know, what, I'm not meeting that goal, I'm seeing success. I need to dial it back or maybe scale it up a little bit. You adjust it from there and you just monitor what your progress is. And in the end, the end goal is not usually the same as what you started off with in terms of what you had in your head for the goal, but you're still working to make some sort of progress. So tracking some sort of progress. So if you're setting a goal in terms of um, like, we were talking about social media, if you're thinking like, okay, by April, I want to have 10K followers and it's March 15th. And you're like, I only have 5,000. You don't think, okay, I failed. It's like, okay, I've made connections. How can I dial it back and maybe make even more narrower connections with people that are interested in my content? Like how can I change and shift my goals so that it is satisfying to me? And it also is something that I can monitor my progress on. Um, for OCD, I always used to make goals at the beginning of the year that I would never have any like intrusive thoughts one year i said i wasn't i my set a goal i wasn't gonna cry um when i was 17 and i like cried on january 2nd so i was like oh god um my goals ruined i've done for the year um but then it's also like if you are thinking like okay i'm gonna set a goal for oct like i'm not gonna have any intrusive thoughts like you're setting yourself up to fail because that's not possible with way like the brain works everyone regardless if you have ocd have intrusive thoughts all the time but what you can set is a goal like okay my goal is going to be if i get any sort of intrusive thoughts or fall into like an ocd obsession or compulsion seven times out of ten i am going to work to get myself out of it and use the tool so then you have like the little wiggle room of like all right some days are i'm not going to get there and that's fine um, but the days that you do, it's like, okay, that's like a little small victory. So it's just about like setting and monitoring the goals to make progress within the year rather than at the end of the year. Because at the end of the year, if your goal is to like lose 15 pounds and you get to the end of the year and you've lost 15 pounds that you were miserable doing it, you look back and all you remember for the year is like being miserable, trying to like lose weight or not have intrusive thoughts or gain more followers but if you focus on like small little goals then you enjoy the process and you actually see results and success mm -hmm. yeah you you kind of mentioned it too where like if you have an unrealistic goal and like let's say i want to go to the gym every day like you mentioned that's stupid but if you want to go to the gym every day and you miss one day, then you get hard on yourself for missing that day. And then you miss two days and then it just kind of gets yep, to a yep. point where you don't go anymore. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So small, achievable, attainable goals that then build on bigger goals.
Um, we do it for kids. I honestly think kids and what they do in terms of like socialization, play, and just like these small attainable goals and just like the little like golden nuggets they say and the way they view life is just so important. And I think it's good to almost like dial it back as either young adults, adults, or even like teens didn't recognize like that process and why like elementary schoolers have so much fun. <laughs> yeah, you, you can learn a thing or two from kids. We should we should all learn a thing or two from kids. I think we take life way too seriously. Totally. 100%. 100% for sure. So where where can my viewers find you? Um, They can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle, I actually don't like, I, so my Instagram handle is DSK8154. My field hockey number is 8154 is like my go-to number. Um, Then DSK is my initials. I've thought about changing my Instagram handle, but my Instagram handle's in my book so then i need to go and re to redo the printing so then it's just gonna stay that way um because it's meaningful to me so dsk8154 and then that page kind of just connects to like the blog and um my book site on amazon and on barnes and noble and then just kind of everything from there i'm a lot better at answering Instagram DMs and then emails using the contact button, um, then text. It's actually funny. Like sometimes people that want to get in touch with me, like if I don't answer my texts, like they like call me through Instagram. I'm like, whoa, what's happening? And they're like, we knew you'd answer on here. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So yeah. <laughs> so yes. That's so funny. Uh, I'll put that link down below. Diana, thank you so much for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you. This was great. Totally made my Saturday. So thank you so much. Oh, wow. What an honor. <laughs> thank you. Um, and to all my viewers, I will see you guys next time. Hey guys, thanks for watching another episode of my show. If you want more episodes of the H panel, the button's going to be right here. If you want to subscribe for more videos from myself, it'll be right down below. Please like, comment, share, give five stars. Let's keep this conversation going, guys. All right. I'll see you next time. Thank you for your support.